holidays happen or when uh, school days off are going to arrive. And that, that will impede my business. You know, a lot of meetings fall on Mondays and most major holidays fall on Mondays. <laughs> That's an impediment to my day. And so understanding that and kind of just, just understanding that schedule's coming, you know, I can get ahead of a President's Day snafu because I know that I'm going to schedule all of my appointments on like a different day. And that's just something that's very simple, but, and it may not be a big deal to people that don't have children living in their business, but when your kids are home and they're running them up and, <laughs> and they have off from school, they're happy, right? We don't want to take that from them. They're having a good day, but business still has to flow. So that day will look a little different. I might not take meetings on a Monday, but I might catch up on other work, design work. Yo, what is up? This is Christian D. Evans, host of Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. And I just want to share with you real quick. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It really means a lot to us, but also our community. And you know, if you like this, please share this with your friend, your family, a colleague, someone that you don't even like. Definitely share that with them. And then also leave a comment and a review for us. We really do appreciate that. And show our guests some love if you find that this episode really resonates with you. Secondly, also want to share with you some really awesome news. I've had the Fortune Opportunity Network and have incredible guest, eight and nine figure entrepreneurs, CEOs and founders on our podcast. And what we've done is we've actually been able to open up a be uncommon if you can mastermind where we're able to open up the door for so many of you, right? Those that are six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs that are scaling, that are struggling, that really want to level up their game, their business, their life, whatever it is. I'm able to open up that door for you with this Be Uncommon If You Can Mastermind. Now, we're only taking a select few of individuals. So what you'll need to do is go to christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. And the link is actually in the description as well. Guys, that is christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. We're only opening this up for a select few of individuals that really want to level up their game. You have a conversation with me. See if you qualify. And guys, enjoy the episode. And remember... Be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning into Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans, and we have the mother of brand reinvention on today. And we're going to be diving into some really, really good topics, so don't miss out. Guys, she is helping at-home entrepreneurs remaster their businesses and lives from their passions. She has mother of two, a self-distinguished work-from-home mompreneur, has made it her mission to empower parents to work and live on their own terms. She's the founder and the owner of NDNY Studio, a creative consultancy that provides digital design services to small businesses and personal brands. She has worked with clients from various, various industries, from coaches to women's, wellness, fintech, fast casual dining, the arts, and so much more. She knows firsthand what is needed to reinvent a brand for a competitive edge and lasting staying Power, please welcome my guest, the one and only Nia Dara. How are you doing today? Hey, Christian. Thank you so much for having me. That was an incredible intro. I appreciate your time and your audience too. Thank you so much. Well, hey, we really appreciate you as well because, of course, there is not not, not a better time than now to have these conversations, specifically about brand reinvention. Uh, definitely with COVID, we can all talk about that, but the reality is a lot of people had to pivot. But also one of the things that I really want to talk a little bit about is obviously your perception or your perspective on reinvention, what that means, and how to pivot properly to get to, to maximize that reinvention. Yeah, sure. So in the power of reinvention, or at least how I see it, um, as an on online at-home entrepreneur, it's both personal and professional for me. So it encompasses the whole 360 experience for my business and for my life. Um, but when you're branding for a business, you really want to keep, keep some key factors at play, right? So you want to make sure that you are going to acknowledge your audience, make sure that they're comfortable in that, in that pivot if you're doing something that is visual um, for your audience. And then from behind the scenes, you want to also make sure that you have the, the steps and the operations in place to actually effectively move that business and those goals forward. So those are some key things to do with the business. But per personally, what I find is that quite often when I'm in a, in a state of reinvention or in a pivot, it's really about grasping where I am in my life. What am I really looking to achieve? Right. What is that business? When I pivot that business, how is it going to impact me and my uh, the operations of that business as a whole and, and my audience and who I'm looking to serve? So it's a real 360 feeling. It's not just 
um, a technical component, but every every instance is touched upon in the in the reinvention. So let's dive into that a little bit because um, you know there's so many moving parts in that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've known a lot of individuals that rebranded almost, uh, and it takes a lot of energy, a lot of thought process, and as well as a lot of like, it's not just, and I really want to emphasize this a little bit, it's not just, oh, I think this is a good idea, let's rebrand it. It's more of what is the data telling us? And then obviously we're doing this because the data is saying ABC, and that's the reason why we're going to do that reinvention. So if you could kind of dive into that a little bit, when you're walking through someone through that consultancy and that those mm -hmm. clients, what, do you, what does that process look like? Okay, so if generally if people are coming to me, they are coming to me because they're looking for a change in their business, right? They're either implementing new products or services into their business, and they're looking for some guidance and how to bring that to light. Sometimes it does require some branding where it's everything from a logo or color or you know where, the, where their presence is for their business, um, but it, it's part of that whole story. But generally, it's they want to achieve some new communication, some new messaging, um, and take their, their business in a new direction. But in order to do that, you really have to understand where your audience is, where your customers are, where your revenue streams are, most importantly, and how that new product or service is going to impact them directly, your re current revenue streams, your current clients, your current um, situation, and what kind of support systems you're going to need along the way. Because it's great to have a new product, but really, how does that impact the day-to-day -day operations? And is there support around that? And then is there a, a budget? Is there marketing around that? There's a lot of things that go into it versus just, you know, you know, throwing out something and starting anew. There's a whole new system that has to uh, stand up that new goal of the new brand. And so it's important to make sure that it's not just an aesthetics, but that you're going deep, di you're deep diving into what are the operations and procedures beneath that that are going to support that growth. So when you're looking at that a little bit, um, you know, what are certain red flags or hurdles that you should be aware of as you start transferring, right? Um, whether, you know, we, we've seen a lot of like, I think the one of the biggest ones that I'm thinking about right now, and I know I just like to talk about a big company because everybody's familiar with it. Like mm -hmm. Time Warner went into Spectrum. That was rebranding. That was, you know, obviously reinventing themselves and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. I do know that the, you know, talking a little bit about that, you know, reading a little bit more about that, it was a lot of process. There's a lot of thought to it. And it was a lot of money that went into it. Now that I'm just giving as an example, because obviously people are familiar with that. Um, so yeah. I like to walk through that process of what are certain hurdles or certain red flags that they should be aware of that they want to avoid during this process? Well, I mean, I think um, when you rebrand a business, just like you would go into a business, you would want to have some sort of a business plan, right? Before you start changing things ex externally or aesthetically, you actually want to make sure that, again, you have you understand what kind of marketing budget you're going to put to it. You understand what kind of support team you're going to put in place to really transform that. You want to look at the data of where your industry is going and see, you know, you want to compare, obviously, so you can understand where your position in, in that industry is, but you also want to look at your own data of your business. Is this the right time to pivot? Um, or, you know, are we better served, you know, six months later, perhaps you're going into the holiday season, for example, is that the right time to do a brand pivot of your business when, you know, maybe that's, that's a good sales opportunity. Um, so all of that comes into play when you're doing branding. What I often sometimes see that's um, like absent, maybe the, the capacity of with how much marketing will actually go into play. And marketing can be a, a variety of things. It can be social media, SEO, um, it could be paid advertising and so forth, but just the kind of uh, absence of understanding like the, the ca capacity of what they might want to achieve in the long run, right? So it kind of seems uh, maybe like they haven't given enough um, weight to what they'd like to achieve and it needs a bit to be a bit more. So just being more in depth in the marketing efforts because that's really where you want to communicate with your audience and externally and get people familiar with the new objective that you have going on with your brand. And so that takes some time. And I would say that's another one too, is just time. It takes a while for people to pick up your new branding and it's on their radar. And so be patient with that as well. Well, one of the things I always find so interesting about brand, uh, it is very, very powerful, but it is one of those things where it cannot be the front end. Definitely if you're scaling to like a million or like two million, that cannot be really like the the, the focus point. It's not until you really have hit about three, four, five million dollar businesses where you start really saying, okay, I got to build. And really that should be the focus point and really delegating, you know, 
What's your brand culturally? What's your brand in, in structure? And I really want to kind of dive into the structure of brand a little bit because see, I think so many people, definitely business owners, we just think of, like you mentioned, the color, the logo, things like that. But I think it's so much deeper. It's like, okay, what's the, what's, what's the emotion that mm-hmm. you facilitate from those clients because they think of your brand like that's that's even deeper psychologically and so i like for you to talk a little bit you know kind of things that i think a lot of business donor business owners don't see and don't understand definitely talking about you know brand yeah and, and to your point about it, go, tapping into the emotion and going in deeper i would even say even go a step further i think that when your brand can encompass your customer service and be part of the mission and values you can even reach people on a deeper level when you're looking to serve at a level where you know you've established a certain foundation for your business and now you want to further cement that right you've made certain steps to get ahead and uh it's really about cementing those relationships with your brand right and people have that trust and that value and that comes in i think at play with the customer service really going back and seeing how you can better fulfill that relationship and really provide long-lasting trust that people come back to you again and again when they can find other uh, resources that are faster, more timely, but they come back because with your company, your business, there is a level of trust and value there and that you should always show up at a capacity to serve, I think will be lasting in terms of how people relate to your brand for the long haul and, and encourage other people to, you know, to share. I love this company because they do, you know, they're always on time. I can always expect the best. They, they're always, you know, there's always a human on the other end of that, that phone call, you know, because the, the customer service is built into the brand value. And I love what you're saying there, because it is that it is that experience that they they have when they're working with your brand. And that right there is the overarching thing, right? It's not just about color. It's not a logo. It's a something like, what's that experience that I have? And naturally, you know, you referrals and warm network and all that stuff. That's how you grow. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about like. Um, how to do that because obviously it's not one of those things where you can just change and adjust and like okay this is what we're doing it is something that has to be integrated at the dna of the company itself from the leader to to the customer service person to the mid-management and so obviously how to you know really implement that strategy Mm -hmm. at a very Mm -hmm. high level into your company where it, it stays consistent Well, that's a really interesting question. I actually read a a phenomenal book called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. Um, And he talks about just that with it, where you, the vivid vision is really how to get your whole organization, your team to be in line with the values of what you want to achieve. So the greatest aims of your business. And what's really unique about that is he says, when you write it like a script and you get everyone on board. So, you know, everyone from the VPs, to you know your marketers and so forth and to your business, you get everyone believing in the same passion and not just like the, the little echoes of what the brand is, but really the deep heart rooted uh, passion behind the business. And I love that book because it is so powerful. And if you haven't read it, you should read it because you can apply it to so many areas of your life. It's amazing. Um, but when you apply it to branding, taking that same strategy, right? Creating this vision for your brand right? The values, the service, the mission, coming at the highest levels that you can to really bring something that's unique to the marketplace. And then you infuse that into your messaging, right? Those nuances in social media where you get to actually communicate a little bit, um, where you live on on your website or other um, online sources, you know, this is where you have an opportunity to, like breadcrumbs, gently communicate these deeper values of the company. And that's what resonates with people. And they want to hear those, those things. You want to be, want to be a part of the dream just as much as anyone else, right? Just as much as your team. And if you can infuse that on both ends, you really create like a synergy of support between not only your team members, but also your external community. So when you're, when you're talking about like that vivid vision, you know, so many mm-hmm. people, I think, come to that um, you know, baseline and just say, okay, hey, this is my vivid vision. We want to impact a billion people, right? You know, and, and I've seen some of those, like those taglines, whatever, and that's awesome. Um, however, though, it's like, let's talk a little bit more about that. Like what actually facilitates that emotion of, of whatever it may be? Like if you look at Steve Jobs, if you look at, you know, um, um, all, all just different, different companies that have been able to facilitate an immense amount of community and a massive buy-in from these people. Uh, but it, like you said, it, it takes one, one vivid vision. So if you could just kind of maybe 
dive into a little bit more into that vivid vision, what that looks like for companies and really how to, you know, what's that thought process to really create a, a clear, vivid vision. So in, in branding, when you're creating branding guidelines for businesses, right, it's essentially the guide of how the company will op, um, will communicate the brand, right? What it is, what it isn't, and how it can show up visually and contextually um, uh, across different outlets. If you would apply that same vivid vision, and again, the vivid vision is deeper. It's not the one tagline. It's like the real, like you can, it's a story that's so tangible. You can touch it, feel it, smell it kind of thing. And it's embraced by everyone. So taking that insane, that same embracing feeling for, you know, serving at the highest capacity, meaning like, you know, making customer service a, a extreme important value of like how you want to show up for your um, clients and your audience and what you are, what the brand is, what it stands for, but also what it doesn't is equally as valuable. And you put that into the context of your marketing efforts um, and how you communicate, those things rise to the top, right? So then it's not about following trends that's your evergreen moment right this is what xyz brand stands for all the time i can count on them no matter what this is what they are about and they always show up in that capacity because at that point that becomes the umbrella the overarching theme that guides the actions and the way because you don't you don't have to think about do we need to follow this trend or how do we jump on top of this this is the values of what we bring and we communicate that and people that that resonates with will will you know they'll they'll light up to that they'll respond to that they will follow they will communicate um, um they will connect and what's interesting what you're saying there because many years ago i had a mentor that said what you have to do is you have to develop certain values and those values really are the deciding factors on how to make decisions right so what you do is you have a decision you filter it through the values that you have and if it aligns with those values then wonderful i'm going to go and, and approve to it. If not, then I'm going to have to say no to that opportunity, even though if it's the biggest, best thing, little whatever. And I like what you're saying there because it's so powerful because I'm seeing so many businesses trying to get in the NFT space. And I'm just using that as an example because it's big and sexy and whatever. Yeah, and it's not aligning to their values and their business structure. And it's just more of, hey, I want to go in for the money or whatever. And that's fine. Some people are dominating. Some people just lost their shirt on it. But the reality is what, what you're saying is it did not want that, that core value. Uh, of, of what they've got going on as a company, but in order to identify what, what they have, they have to identify what the values are of that company. Um, and I like what you said as well. So let's talk a little bit about trends and evergreen, what that means. Very, uh, I see a lot of companies right now very transactional and not transformational. And transformation is more long-term thinking more so than, you know, like you said, jumping on all those trends. So if you could walk us through that a little bit. Well, you touched on something that was very interesting. It's like uh, the NFT space, right? And so that is very top of mind. People want to see how to get into that. And, you know, when I talk about evergreen, I don't talk about not getting on any trends or, or growing, I should say, more specifically growing and evolving because we all need to grow and evolve our businesses to stay relevant, to stay current and to really progress, right? Um, but it's really going back to that core of the values and understanding like, is this no, no now does not mean no forever, right? So is this in line, is this opportunity, opportunity aligned with what I need to do today for my business? If I've outlined a certain objectives for the next three, six, 12 months, does it make sense to incorporate it now? Or is this something that I can do more research on and plan for the future and see how that outlines? Now there is opportunity to jumping into things early like the NFT space. So it is it is intriguing, right? To like, be like, I wanna do that and that's fine. Now, if you're in the tech space or in the art space or in some sort of space that's in line with that and that makes sense for you, then yeah, more power to you. Maybe you're in real estate, so <laughs> that's an opportunity too. Buy some land there um, uh, in metaverse. But if um, I would say, really go back to the mission and to being of service is what the clients are going to need, what's your audience, who you're serving, do they need that right now? Is that something that can be slowly integrated uh, over a period of time? And, and let the know be right now in terms to do more research and find that foundation in order to have a stronger yes and a stronger kickoff to those new endeavors in the future. So I think, you know, keeping to finding alignment with your clients, figuring out is this the right time if this is it, and then planning for the future for when you will want to integrate those new things. So let's talk a little bit about this because see, what, what I find so interesting is that I know 
trends are so sexy definitely in the e-com space because obviously you can hit on it you can produce a you know product very quickly and then massive mm -hmm. volume uh mm -hmm. and just to give you several examples obviously when trump was running election there were a lot of trump stuff whether you like him or not it doesn't really matter the reality is that was that's gone now right a lot of those companies right are no longer there, right? They have to pivot very quickly and that's very transactional, right? right. There's no building of that larger larger philosophy, if you will, larger business structure. Uh, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of what you're talking about regarding trend versus, you know, obviously more of like, um, you know, evergreen, right? What is a product, right. what is a service that will stay consistent whether, you know, platforms go up or down, right? And there are certain skills. And so yeah. kind of walk us through that, like making sure that they, as business owners, whether they're a million, two, three, five, ten million dollars, in order to scale, you really have to stay focused on one or two things that they are the best at, and really either you know find JVs, find strategic partners, and stuff like that to delegate those other services. But I think it's very important, and to really make sure that they have the discipline to focus on those things. If you can walk us through, like, okay, hey, you know, when you're walking and, and having that conversation with a consultancy, you know, with with these individuals, and they want to jump on this trend, and you're like, hey, you know what? Let's come back here. Does it align with this? Does it align with this? Does it align with your vivid vision? Like, you know, walking them through that process and saying, hey, it's okay to say no, miss out on maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. But guess what? You stay consistent with your vision. Yeah. Um, so to your to your point about like, you know, uh, the, the Trump example and people coming into business very quickly, um, I'm generally talking to people, the, the, talking long-term, so if that's like a very short-term transactional thing, then that's a different strategy to me altogether, right? Because the modality is working quick, fast, and the objectives are very different. But I think if you're in business for the, the longer haul, right? You're looking for something that's going to carry, the, the stand the test of time and really grow into something larger, that it really is going back to some of the central uh, um, ideations of your business, but also the, the central data of your business, right? Like it's great to incorporate new things but does it make sense? What does the data show? Do you really need to bring in a new uh, arm of the business, a new product, a new service? What does that look like? How is it going to impact your ability to serve at the capacity that you're at now? Now, if there is a like squeeze effect, there's something um, that is happening to your business that you need to pivot, that's something different, right? Because you're, you're reacting to something that may be out of your control or something that's happening with the business. And, and it's pushing you to a place where you're like, okay, I need to bring these new services to, to, to grow and to stretch. Um, but if, you, if you're just in a state of like, I'm thinking about some new trends that are happening, um, you know, I want to offer, I have these new product offerings, then test, right? If it's something that you're really super like, you know what, I know I want to do this. I'm not sure how I want to get there, but I know I want to do it. Then test, do a beta program, right? Do a beta offering. Maybe maybe you're like, um, I really feel like this is a new academy is gonna be the thing for my business. I just know it. Okay, can we do a pilot program? Can we run a beta test? What kind of uh, support is gonna be in place in order to really see that through? And also, how are we gonna measure and track that effort to say when is when, if it is working or if it's not working? To really understand what can be put towards that. Um, and then if it doesn't work, then okay, we tried it. Maybe the, maybe it's not now, maybe it's in the future. But you know, if someone's really compelled that they know that this is direction, you, I would say trust your instinct. If you really feel that this is something that has to happen in your business, do it. But really test it, beta test it, and find different ways that you can uh, either validate those instincts or you know, show proof of evidence that maybe this is not the right direction. Well, you're bringing up a really good conversation in, uh, in regards to this, and I want to kind of like morph into this next conversation that I really want to have because, you know, I understand that people want to develop certain informational products or just, you know, certain content out there, uh, you know, digital product design and so forth. And I know you're an expert in this regard because it's like it's information products obviously have high margin, but it's also you want to have the right data. So it's like identifying, okay, what does your customer have, your current base? Okay, what, do, what else do they want? And then obviously build an offer around it, whether that's more training, whether it's more courses. But again, it's proof of concept. We already know that they're asking for it. I go out there and create it. I find it. And then I give it to them. So I like to talk a little bit about, because you're, again, like I said, you're an expert at this. So if you would just tell us some tips and tricks of how to look at that properly, how to find the right upsells, and then as well as like certain certain design processes that really, really help uh, kind of, or you know, offer structures to really sell that. Okay, so if, if one is interested in 
producing some digital products for their for their audience, for their customers. Um, it's always important to, I think, to actually look at the full picture around that particular product. So when you design an, an academy, for example, some online courses, um, and you want to have that as maybe the passive revenue stream in your business, something that's like said, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It, there's a lot of work done in the upfront to actually build the system out. And it's equally as important to build out the product itself but also the support system around that product for your end uh, audience or learner. Because the reason for this is you wanna make sure that they have an, a really good end-to-end -end experience. So it's more than just building out just the product itself. It's really make sure you've built out the experience you want that person to have with that product. And I think that's really important um, because you can have like a great product and then miss the steps of the, you know, everything from the email chain, right? So someone comes into your email list, they're interested in your product. You wanna encourage them to understand more about it, to learn about it. You want to you know, drip that messaging in a way that is not pushy, not salesy, but really lets them just kind of come into the flow of what they can expect from you. Um, and then encourage them to, to learn a bit more. And if they're interested in taking the next step, you wanna embrace them and nurture them through that sequence. So that's really important. I think the experience around your particular brand, your uniqueness, your area of excellence is really going to be what differentiates you from a lot of the other digital offerings in the space and really bring that through when you're communicating like what it means to be in your space and what you're going to provide and the value that you have to offer. Um, but experience first and foremost, what is the experience you want that person to have as well as the goal, right? The achieved goal is they're gonna learn X, Y, Z. They're going to do something faster. Yes, that's important. But what is the experience around that thing? See, and you, you mentioned something that I think is very, very viable because um, a lot of businesses they love, I mean, definitely business owners, they love getting creative ideas, right? We all, I love this idea. But then it's like the, 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 the deployment strategy, as well as like you said, the fulfillment on the back and the operations, well, you may not have anticipated, right? Because it may take more energy and effort. So it's like always asking yourself, what creates the, the, the biggest input that will create the biggest output? And the reality is like, okay, what, what can I add on to it that doesn't put a lot of drag on the operations on the back end? And mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about these, these systems. So let's say, for example, we have, I just want to give you a kind of, a, or actually give me an example of a client that you've worked with. How about that? You give me a, an example of a client that you work with that, okay, hey, they have this offer. Maybe they sweeten the deal, increase the price with adding an informational product or something like that, or maybe upsell. Just kind of give us a little bit of an uh, example of, uh, of an actionable thing that you've been able to help a client with. Yeah, so actually this, this comes up a lot in my business where I work with clients that wanna build digital products of all kinds. Um, and I will help them strategize how they want to actually bring that to, to market, right? So they may want to publish a digital ebook or an academy or some kind of digital offering in some capacity. And we'll walk through that in, in terms of understanding, again, going back to the experience, but understanding what the back end, right? So I'm talking to the owner. And what I want to understand is, okay, once we've built this, what's, we have a course, we have what's your one-time offer, right? What's your upsell? Um, what are the different things or the touch points along the way? What does this look like? And how do we move um, the, the person through this series of events to have a good experience and feel like that you're the right fit for where they are, meeting them where they are in that moment. And so, uh, what what ends up what we end up talking through quite often is that you know it's it's really understanding like oh like these are all of the, the different things that need to happen in that moment. So we create the you know the email um, drip sequence of how to communicate that, and then realize that oh okay there's an opportunity to communicate some of my one to one services. Okay, where do we incorporate that? And it's walking through these different series of events that I didn't really see initially in the onset of I just I want to build. I want to sell an ebook or I want to put out an ebook. And then I'm like, okay, but okay, it's more than the ebook. What is the experience you want to create? And in doing this exercise and going bit by bit, you start to unravel like, okay, there's a much bigger story here. And there are a series of breadcrumbs that need to happen along the way in order to fulfill that full experience and in order to really show up for the people where they are and give them like something that is memorable and where they want to connect. I love that. I love that. And because you know, what, what I always, the community part as well is so 
integrated into that process because it's like, how do you get buy-in? How do you get them to upsell more things? How, because again, we, we all know, hey, it's about acquiring new customers. It's about taking those customers, increasing the price of those customers, and then obviously the lifetime value of them on the back end uh, by selling them more products and whatever. And the thing is, is by building that community. So yeah. when, you know, walk me through a little bit, like obviously what you're seeing right now specifically regarding the mompreneurs, right? A lot of women right now are just taking massive, massive leaps forward, walking away from the corporate world and having this opportunity to run and build their own businesses at a very high level. Um, and as well as being a full-time mom, which is really, really awesome. And I'd love to kind of get your experience behind it because obviously you have uh, two kids and I know that was, you know, uh, uh, just a whirlwind, uh, but kind of walk us through that and, and kind of talk to our, our female audience there. Yeah. So yes, I'm a mompreneur. Hello, mompreneurs out there. Um, it is, it's a really interesting time, right? We're seeing massive shifts right now into the uh, entrepreneurial online space. I, I got into the space about a decade ago. Um, and really my driver for me was that I wanted to be, you know, closer to my family, right? I didn't want to miss those moments with my little one. And I, you know, wanted to go to the field trips and uh, those kind of things. And also, uh, you know, have my be in charge of my own ship, right? Be the captain of my own ship and, and my financial destiny. So that's what got me there. And I, I think it's really interesting what we're seeing now is because I think it's going to affect, it's going to have a ripple effect on a societal level in so many ways. Because if you think about the current constructs of like the tr classic nine to five and the, the nine to three schedule for kids in school, and so many things need to shift in order for us to pivot in this new world. And Although there have been a, a lot of people that have worked from home previously, we've seen such a shift since 2020. Um, and I think we're gonna continue to see that shift, but it's creating new opportunities for, for, and new opportunities for people to go out and create their own and make their own paths. But I think it's getting the world at large more comfortable with online entrepreneurs working from home. And so I think we, previously, if I look back 10 years ago, I would have to more adapt to what is the classic system of, of the nine to five and working around that schedule. And I think what you'll see is like new opportunities where it's, you see the flex schedule, you see things shifting a little bit and it will allow people to really start to create and define life on their terms, which I'm very you know excited to see. And it'll allow people to have their own way like we've never well, seen before. Definitely, and you say something very interesting in your bio. And, and I think I really wanna hit, hit on this because you know, now because we've been pushed online, we can work really anytime, right? And and there's a work-life balance, and that's a huge thing. But also, you know, being a full-time parent, running a multi-billion, running multi-million dollar organization as well, um, you know, it's tough. Whether you're a, a male or a female, or it's even co co uh, co you know co-founder with with your spouse or whatever, right? And we see that a lot as well. Um, you know, kind of walk me through a little bit about that, like obviously how to prioritize in your own life, how to have that work-life balance, how to make sure you have boundaries in your in, in your life. So it's like, okay, I'm able to prioritize my family, but also you need food on the table, right? You can't be naive. Yeah. You, you, need, yeah. you need money to keep everything running. So I'd love to walk exactly. through that. Absolutely. So yeah, work-life balance is, is tricky. You know, that's, that's, I think that triggers a lot of emotions, that particular statement. Um, I think it's, there, it's not so much a balance as it is a dance. And I try my, <laughs> I try my best to navigate those things um, with some grace. And it's, not per it's definitely not perfect by any means. Um, and creating boundaries around your business and your life is super important. I think when, um, sorry, I think I've learned to structure my life at this stage where my boundaries for my business are are specific enough, but flexible enough that it gives me the space to be like, okay, I can, you know, close the laptop, have a good day and feel accomplished and not feel that I'm, I'm, I'm having that power struggle between work and life. Um, and then again, with my personal life, if something comes up and it's urgent, you know, maybe it's a health matter with the children, I'm okay. And I can, and I can dress it and address it and take care of it. Um, but it's, it's been a power struggle with internal struggle within me to be able to do that over the years and feel comfortable about it. And so I think that um, the best tips that I can have is that remind yourself that you are the captain of your own ship and you can, you can, you know, we do have more time in the day than we think. Actually, time is working for us, not against us. And that 
have a little patience with yourself and the things. And, and if you haven't taken a, mo a moment to be like, pat yourself on the back and say, you know what, you're really rocking this out and not put pressure on yourself, I think you'll go a long way. But, you know, I, my day-to-day -day activities, like, you know, I try my best to schedule my work within the best working hours. You know, nine to three are perfect hours for me during the week, you know, um, but I do work through if I have clients that are in a different time zone or if I have meetings that are going to extend in the evening, I make time for those as well and try to make sure that when I do show up wherever I am, if I'm at work, I'm present there. And when I'm at home, I'm, at, I'm present there. And uh, again, I go with grace. <laughs> well, and I, I, I love that concept because one of the things I've, I've discovered, it's like if you're sitting there and being interrupted, while you're working during your working hours, then naturally you're going to have to work in the evening because now you're not productive. It's just being, you know, sp you know, sporadic. And we know just from how the mind works, it takes about 20 minutes to actually get into the project. And so if you're going to be, you know, interrupted by every 11 minutes by your kid or something like that, then guess what? Naturally, you're never ever, ever able to produce anything or results. And so now you're sitting there going, oh crap, I'm guilty. I feel guilty for spending time with my family when I should be working on my business. And when I'm working on my business, I feel guilty for not spending time with my family, right? Is that back yeah. and forth? Yeah. And the reality and what I've discovered is like building that boundary and saying, hey, you know what, whether I have to remove myself, find a you know babysitter, find someone that can watch my kids. I'm not going to feel guilty for another person watching my kids. Wonderful, because I'm going to go out there, build my life and build something, produce something. And my kids are going to watch that. And they're like, wow, I'm so proud of mommy and daddy. Right. That kind of concept. <laughs> yes. and, and the thing is, is now you can focus work on high productive activities. And also, let's be honest. You need to delegate a lot of that other stuff that you don't really like doing. And so yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about that a little bit. What have you found running a, a really successful consultancy while running, you know, um, you know, being a full-time mother? Kind of talk us a little bit about like your intricate like systems and processes that you put in place that has helped you stay, you know, on top of things, being proactive instead of being like reactive, like, oh crap. My, my kids got, you know, do, you know, soccer practice. Oh, a doctor appointment, right? And it's like, hey, how do I be proactive? The scheduling, I know that that's, that's huge right now, but I, I love for you to walk us uh, kind of yeah, through that yeah. process. So I actually, in terms of like work and school, my kids are of school age, right? So I don't have little ones, which would be a different schedule. But uh, the practicalities of my schedule, I actually build my schedule around their school system. I think that's very helpful for a work-home life balance. And what I mean by that is I'm not like, scheduling meetings like specifically for whenever their event is, but just kind of getting a sense of like when holidays happen or when uh, school days off are going to arrive. And that, that will impede my business. You know, a lot of meetings fall on Mondays and most major holidays fall on Mondays. <laughs> That's an impediment to my day. And so understanding that and kind of just, just understanding that schedule's coming, you know, I can get ahead of a President's Day snafu because I know that I'm going to schedule all of my appointments on like a different day. And that's just something that's very simple, but, and it may not be a big deal to people that don't have children living in their business, but when your kids are home and they're running them up and, <laughs> and they have off from school, they're happy, right? We don't want to take that from them. They're having a good day, but business still has to flow. So that day will look a little different. I might not take meetings on a Monday, but I might catch up on other work, design work, things that are going to be uh, less where it needs to be focused one-on-one -on -one time, but more like strategic stuff that can happen while the chaos is ensue and my kids are having a great time. And you know, and, and if, it, if I need to wake up a little bit earlier to get those things done so that I can counterbalance and, and spend some time with them while they're home, I can do that as well. Um, and in terms of boundaries, I do, I talk with my clients. I say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Hey, do you want to reschedule? Does this work for you? Do you mind that my you know, kids are bouncing off the walls in the background on Mondays? This is the only time you have available. And that they're like, sure, no problem. I've got a couple of kids of my own. It's going to be, it's going to be a party. Okay, great. We're all in. So, um, you know, just just being just being open and communicating and letting people know where you are really helps and goes a long way. But again, just taking that broader view of what my calendar looks like helps me balance out what like things are coming up. Of course, you can never uh, control or expect the unexpected. It just happens and you have to pivot. And that's where communication for me is key. And just again, having those conversations with with clients and team members and things like that can really go a long way to just make sure that things still stay in motion. One of the other things that I find really valuable is the community that you create as, as a solopreneur or mompreneur working from home is that you're, if you come from more classic home off, uh, office type of scenario, 
Um, you, you will miss things like water cooler talk. <laughs> You'll miss like, you know, just the kind of ins and outs that happen at the office. So really focusing on your community and having like support around that. I have, you know, an accountability buddy, you know, just, just things like that will go a long way. Joining groups and organizations that are going to put you in a mindset of where you are, where your business is, is really, really important. So you never feel like you're losing that industry feel, right? Or falling behind the eight ball because maybe you're not focused on something. If you're in a group of people that are having similar conversations as you, that's going to go really far to make you feel fulfilled in the business that you're still on top of it. And it's very easy now, you know, with, with social and everything else and Zoom to like to do that uh, without having to even leave your house, right? It makes that just that much more easy. So I think community support uh, within your, your realm, at both for mom, if you're a parent, for mom, dad, you need that community as well. But if you're professionally, I think that is also a really huge advantage when working from home because you lose that when you're not in the, in the physical world of, of a working community. Let me ask you this, because I think this is a, a personal question, but I do think that a lot of our audience, a lot of female audience kind of run into this a little bit. You know, how do you give yourself some grace when you can't always be the super mom, right? Because if you're going to be a full-time mom, you got to give 50% sometimes. You can't give, you know, 100% all the time because 50% of your time is over here. And the reality is you only have you know, max 100% of time, right? And so you have to yeah. delegate that to some extent. And so you can't always be at every event uh, at your at your no. kid. You can't always be, you know, making cookies for everything. You can't be the, you know, whatever, whatever, right? And put it in play. And I do know in this world, right, there is a tight community of mothers that there is a little bit of judgment, right? Whether, oh, you're running a business or, oh, you're not corporate. Or, oh, you're running that small little thing, right? There's this, these always these little things, right? Uh, and I, I like to really kind of talk a little bit authentically, like how have you been able to, you know, come to grips with that and be gracious with yourself and with all the naysayers in the world, whether that's a mom, whether it's man, whether it's your family, whatever, you just subside it and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give that power. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I think um, I'm not affected as much by external naysayers, more of the internal naysayer and myself sometimes, like I should be doing more. The should I, I should, I should, I should, I should be a super mom. I should be at every event. I, and I think that has, for me at least, less to do with the external, but more of like just that inner dialogue, right? And then, and so in those instances, uh, I would say that would have been the better, the thing that got the better of me versus something else. But I do understand that there is a perception in, in certain communities to, to kind of show up a certain way or a certain expectation. Um, and, but in either instance, whether it's internal or external, um, you, can only, you can only show up every day just being exactly who you are. And you try the best. And the, the great thing is, is that you get another day, God willing, you get another day to do it all again. So if you have that, that should be, you know, again, go with grace. Let it be the thing that you focus on is that, listen, I get another day to try to, to make it right. Yesterday was not perfect. Yesterday was messy. It was complicated. You know, I, I barely feel like I got over the finish line. But, you know, today I get to start again. Um, one of the exercises that I like to do that really just journal a lot. It's one of my, you know, um, mindful morning tech practices. Um, it's the way I start my day before the rest of the have-tos come into my world. Um, and just journaling about either what I feel inspired on, like aspirational things, or maybe it's something in the present. And just, you know, connecting with myself and my ideas and using it as an opportunity to fill up my tank before I start the day. And so I find that to be really helpful. And in, in terms of when it comes to any of that, uh, not want to say negative, but the narratives that aren't serving us right that say you should you should be doing you should you should um it, it helps to dispel some of that you know because when you're connected to how you feel really and you're taking a moment in your day to just to be with you to be with those thoughts and just kind of figure out like what do i want for myself how is this journey going to turn out for me what do i want to focus on you know that then becomes the narrative that starts the conversation and all your actions throughout that day. And I think it then becomes less about the external stuff. Mm -hmm. So what, what are some, you know, hurdles or certain challenges that you had to face while you're building your business and being a full-time mom that you, nobody told you, 
but that you did not expect that really caught you off guard? Hmm. I think about how hard it was, you know, I think, you know, <laughs> quite frankly, just, um, you know, I didn't have many friends that were in the, uh, you know, home business at the time space that had children. I, many of my friends were working on their careers that, or they had children, but it wasn't like a combined process of doing both um, at the time. Uh, and, and, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you know it, right? So you don't know the questions to ask, like how does this get easier? Or how, how do I figure out how to work less or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I think that was just a challenge of uh, not knowing how challenging it was gonna be in the onset. There was a lot of really great stuff that came out of it in the beginning, because it was just like creative, creative abandon in terms of my business, just kind of figuring things out. Um, but balancing having like little ones in school and all of these things was just, I had to pace myself, you know, and have grace and, and, and just say, you know what, one foot and step in front of the other. And if it's a no right now, it's not no forever. And I think that's really important because there's, you can only do so much with the time you're allotted. And if you have a vision for your business or your personal life, if it's not something that's immediate and pressing, right? Like urgent <laughs> and it can wait it maybe can wait a little while until you're in a better position to do what you would like to do. Um, and so those kinds of things, I wish I would have given myself a little bit of grace in the earlier days to figure out like, oh, it's okay that this takes a little longer. I don't have to rush it right away. And um, the answers will come, just be patient. Yeah, and it's actually, you bring up a really good point there because yeah, I see so many people, the reason why they really don't succeed isn't that they don't have what it takes. It's that their expectation is here and then they just don't give themselves enough time. Oh, I wanted to be a millionaire in 12 months. Well, sure, you just have to build a foundation first for the first 12 months and you're doing that. You're headed the right direction. You're on the right path. But because they haven't hit their goal of where they're at, they quit and say it doesn't work. And a lot of times, sadly, they pivot and they get into something else, which is like yeah. the worst idea. And the reality is like, hey, stop, shiny object. Everybody's promising <laughs> yeah. the same thing. And the reality is each one of those paths can accomplish. And the funny thing is, is I really want to emphasize it because a lot of times we think, oh, when you're a multimillionaire, you know, several million dollar business, stuff like that, the shiny objects actually become even tougher because more opportunities present themselves. And you have to, at that point, become even more disciplined to say mm -hmm. no. Everybody wants to partner. Everybody wants to, you know, you can, you can divert your attention to all sorts of things, but it's at that point where you have to have enough discipline, enough energy to say no. And when you're at that higher level, whether you're, you're running a $5 million business, $10 million, $100 million, whatever, the reality is those, those, those things still are there knocking on your door and you have to be very prevalent. And it's during these periods of time when you're building something, where you build those skills and those foundations and those habits uh, that facilitate larger, larger growth. And I just appreciate you just being authentic and sharing that because I do think, you know, whether you're at the beginning stages or whether you're at the middle stages, you know, there's a lot of mental health that's going on right now that's, that's been huge in the industry. But also it's like really being able to say, you know what, it's okay that you're not a perfect mom. It's okay that you're not a perfect dad, right? There's all these stereotypes, all these judgments on us all the time by culture, by our family internally, right? Mm -hmm. And just saying, hey, you know what? I'm okay with how I live and how where I'm going and what's happening with, with what I got going on, right? Yeah. Um, because again, I, it's so interesting because the kind of person, Elon Musk, they're willing to sacrifice a lot. Because they, they, they want to achieve X, Y, Z. Some mm -hmm. people don't want to achieve X, Y, Z. And that's okay. Yeah. Be, be fine that you may, not achieve, you may not be a billionaire. But you know what? You're a great dad. You're a great mom. But also you run a multi-million dollar business. And that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I just appreciate these conversations. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add in that regard? Um, and to your point about the pivot before, like you're so right. Like, you know, you get into these um, forks in the road, right, with new business at different stages where you have like presenting a lot of opportunities or maybe your business is presenting a lot of challenges or perceived challenges. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to one, reconcile with, you're okay where you are from a personal level as, you know, you're great dad, you're doing this, you're a great mom, you're doing that, you're working your business, you're, you know, you've got it going, you've got it going on. Uh, no matter what is going on in the background. 
but um, that is definitely not the, the time to pivot. And you're absolutely right. You know, want to make sure that when you're moving your business in a new direction, that it's coming from a true place of clarity and um, authenticity to what you want to do versus a, a reactionary kind of movement, right? Like being, being really um, definitive and being like, okay, this is happening because I want to achieve this goal, not I'm reacting to this because there has been uh, you know, whatever the environment might be that's causing you to want to suddenly just kind of throw everything off the rails and start again. Or there's that shiny object that's just really appealing right now because <laughs> maybe I'm simply just, you know, at a stage in my business where I'm not growing. Um, but yeah, it's the time to like buckle down and really bring that creativity back home and see how you can reinvent that area of your business or your life. Awesome. Awesome. I, I appreciate this conversation. I just appreciate the immense uh, insight that you've had talking about brand, talking about really the, the in-depth psychology of the brand, what that looks like, and really dialing that into your culture, your business, building those values, and really just aligning your, your business structure and your decisions uh, with those values. And then, of course, talking about those, you know, really transactional, transformational kind of uh, long-term thinking and building that brand. Um, I just really appreciate this insight. Uh, where can our audience reach out to you, be part of what you've got going on, and be part of your community. Well, I want to say thank you, Christian, so much for having me. And uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, sharing your time here with me today. If you're interested in meeting me or learning more about what I do, um, you can find me at ndny.studio, um, or you can find me at hello.neadera at Instagram. And, and that's where I'm at. <laughs> Awesome, guys. And that is, uh, those links will be in the description below. So make sure you click on that. Make sure you consume that. And the reality is that you need to implement these systems proactively. Uh, and so that's why you want to make sure you just reach out to Nia and, and what she's got going on. Uh, and Nia, again, I just appreciate the time that you've, you've had here. Uh, is there any last words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience before we let you go? Oh, all right. Well, if you um, are reinventing area, any area of your life, just do it full of creativity and purpose and with, without judgment and have fun with it because what is life if we don't have some fun and joy? So I thank you all so much for your time. Awesome. And guys, that is Nia Dara at Journey with Christian Evans podcast. Until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guest by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review and just show some love to our guest. That would be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would bring value to their life right now. Uh, and guys, we just want to say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you want to have more resources, don't be afraid. Go to christiandevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. That's christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life and we'll make sure we have those conversations. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davis podcast. And until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Cheers.